If you've ever hoped for, wished for, or imagined getting a second chance in life or love, then this episode is designed for you. We're your hosts, Lene and Sandy, and we're here to tell you you're never too old and it's never too late to start fresh. We have the perfect person to tell us how she made the decision later in life to give of herself and how that put her on the receiving end of a new life, a new love, and even a new book. Author Jean Corvesi Husson is a chief marketing officer. Her blog and website, kindconversations.com, and her book, I See Old People, show how small acts of kindness lead to big gains in life. Welcome to Imagine Yourself, Jean. We are so delighted to have you today. It is a pleasure to be here. And what an intro. I'm more excited about my life now. (laughs) (laughs) So second chances, third chances, fourth chances, whatever the case may be. The point is sometimes you reach a place in your life and you've probably heard the expression, I've peaked. And you're kind of like, okay, well, I've accomplished X, Y, and Z. And just going to kind of slide from here. There's really not too much ahead. But that is the opposite of what you're telling us. Absolutely. That's what brings me profound joy as a person that is still creating and never done and has continued to achieve things. Even, you know, at 60 years old, I'm not done yet. That is something I think we all need in our life. And the way that I got there and especially with my story about it's never too late for anything, whether it's love, which I found at 53 years of age after thinking I'd never find it, or giving of our time and ourselves, or starting a new career. During the financial meltdown in 2008, when I was laid off from my job at a big mortgage company, now I was lucky enough to collect a severance. But at that time, I think I was about 49 years old, I remember people telling me, oh, wow, you know, we're going to be aged out, we won't be able to find another job. And what are you going to do? And I refused to accept that I once was mentored from someone who said, failure is never an option. And I've lived my life that way. And I've also been a very goal oriented about my personal life and my professional life, including having a life plan. And I have notes that I've scribbled out about what I wanted to achieve all the time, written love notes to myself. And a lot of that has manifested itself for me. So it's never too late. Well, Jean, you have several themes going on in your book and in your life. You talk about how second chances at love That's a real thing. You talk about how surprisingly great things and great purpose can be right around the corner. You talk about how senior citizens are just these golden gifts in this world. But you also talk about how small acts of kindness and compassion and giving back and all of that mixed in with a little faith even can bring so much good into our lives. But some people are thinking, either number one, that they're too busy and they need help themselves, or they don't know how to find the most meaningful ways to volunteer, ways that are suited to them. Because my takeaway in this book has just been, when you give back to others, it ends up smacking you right back in the face in a good way, (laughs) with beautiful blessings that come back to you. 
And we sometimes just have to figure out what is suited to us. Tell us a little bit about how did you find that to be your calling for your volunteer ways and how did it end up helping you and blessing you? That's a great question. And actually you pose a number of questions about how do I even get started to find a cause or to find a charity or something that I believe in to give back to? And how do you find what's meaningful to you that you can commit to? Because that's part of it is that, you know, oftentimes we don't take action because we're afraid that we'll get sucked in and we'll never get out of it. But that's not the way it works. (laughs) Fear stops us from doing so many things. I started visiting seniors when I was out of work. I think that made it easy for me to do that because guess what? I had time. And when you don't have time, you can give all the excuses in the world not to give back, not to do good things. And sure, over the years, I gave to causes I adopted families at the holidays. I did all those things, but I never made the commitment to invest. And boy, when I did, what a difference it made. I knew naturally I was good with people. I could talk to anybody on the street, probably over talk. And I knew that I also could listen well when I needed to. So it was a natural fit for me. And then once I did it, of course, I was nervous. It's not an easy gig. But once I stepped in and I was just me, and I talked to them, I made them laugh because I used humor in my life. That worked for me. And I would say to people, what do you love? There is always something you love. Do you love children? Do you love animals? Do you love senior citizens? Whatever your cause is, you start there and you start small. And that means just showing up. And when I did, I got outside of myself anything negative in my life that was playing out, meaning the stress of not having a job, it would reframe my whole mental state because I was giving joy. And when you give joy, you get joy back. It's your attitude. It's, I'm going to make a difference in someone's life today. And when you do that purposefully, everything changes in your life. It sounds like you came from a very pure motivation. Some people say, hey, working at charities, a great way to make networking and connections. And sure, maybe that's true. But it didn't sound like that's why you were getting into it. You were getting into it because of your passion and for your genuine heart for people. Yeah, it's okay if you have more than one motive. It doesn't really matter. Motive isn't what matters so much. It's that you've taken the action. Because honestly, being out of work, I did need to do something with my time. I did need to explain to employers, wow, I was out of work for a year. What were you doing? But at the same time, I also did want to do it from a calling. When my mother was dying, when I was 34 years old, my mother moved from Baltimore to California and got very sick with throat cancer where she couldn't speak. She was hospitalized. There were some instances where I felt some of the caregivers, and not all, just a few, were not as compassionate about her care or were frustrated with me if I asked for something. And I became very emotional over that. My mother couldn't speak, and she was older, and her body was falling apart. So I brought in a picture of her when she was young and gorgeous, and I write about this in my book, because I wanted people to see that she was so much more than this broken down body. And it was a game changer for me. It made the staff ask questions about her life. It made me 
be able to tell her story. At that point in my life, I thought, I want to teach people how to be compassionate and why that's important. And I want to fight for that. And I want people to be kind and to treat people with respect. And it was very important that I tell that story. And that's really how my book idea surfaced. This makes me realize the fact that we're talking about second chances in our own lives. We're talking about second chances, how valuable you are at whatever age you are. And also, before we started this podcast, we had a little separate conversation with you. And you said that you in your heart had wanted to write a book for over 25 years. And then you fast forward, you know, this is that part two about it doesn't matter what age you are, it's not too late. Finally, you had this beautiful message to share compassion and to share about volunteering and about all of us as we get older. We all intend to get to a certain age and to try to, I'm guessing this probably means you're helping push away ageism, you're helping push away that disrespect and disregard, but you also have your own book. I feel like there is this incredible power in each of us to achieve our dreams in any fashion. And the only thing standing between that and the achievement is ourselves. And you've heard people talk about that. I'm an example of that. I mean, I did have a dream for 25 years. Well, really, I wanted to be an actress and a stand-up comedian. It's not not too late, though. No, you know what? (laughs) I I may dovetail into that career, but because I do have a healthy sense of wit. And Going back to your childhood dreams, what did you want to be when you grow up? A lot of times, what we wanted to be when we grow up is really truly who we are. And some of us get to manifest it and some of us don't. For me, it was the creative side of me, right? The the stand-up comedian. I found my audience with these seniors. I was the stand-up comedian (laughs) in the middle of seniors. And it was my small part of doing what I loved, of being in front of a crowd, of standing on a stage. And when I would make them laugh, it was incredible. And it was, wow, I have this ability to make this connection with someone who can't remember their firstborn child's name, but they're laughing at my jokes right now. Wow. And and it was it was incredible. And I also I did in the back of my mind want Prince Charming. I mean, who doesn't? I wanted the fairy tale marriage. My mother had brought me up. She lost my father sadly at, when I was eight, and she always talked about being put on a pedestal and finding the man that thinks you're everything and just having this incredible love story. And of course, I thought that it was just impossible that I would be able to get such a thing in my life. And I thought it was a, it was a fairy tale. Ironically, there came a point in my life where I I had a negative tape running in my head about men, about not wanting to carry any more baggage than I needed to. I had enough of my own and I tended to take on the world's problems. I didn't need a man to add to that carry on baggage. And finally, one day at about 50 two or 53 years of age, I said to myself, self, what makes you think that you're not lovable? And the light bulb went off. And I thought you must have something in that subconscious that you feel you can't realize that. So I started just talking to myself, conveying thoughts that were so different than that tape. And I changed it. And I said, 
I am lovable. It's here. I'm capable of finding it. And lo and behold, within six months, I did in a big way. Where did you meet your prince? (laughs) My prince charming. It was such a funny story. The meeting of my husband, Joe, who's the kindest person you'd ever want to meet. I tell young girls all the time, pick a kind one because it's sexier than anything you'll ever imagine. He was best friends with my boss and my boss's wife decided that he would be a great prospect for me. I thought, wow, this is not a good move from a career standpoint to date your boss's best friend. But something (laughs) happened. And I don't know, in the back of my mind, I thought, stranger things have happened. This is probably going to be the one. And I looked him up, of course, on the internet, scoped him out. I found this horrific picture of him with a big fish at a horrible angle. And I thought, (laughs) are you kidding me? You've got to be kidding me that you think I'm going to be interested in this man. And of course, it was purely a physical reaction. And I thought, you wait, that'll be the guy. Sure enough, a couple months go by, I get invited out on a business trip. I'm invited to the Chateau St. Michel for cocktails and a picnic to see ZZ Top. Whoa! I remember, <laughs> I was invited to go and Joe would be there. And I thought, oh, this is great. I don't want to meet this guy. But my old girlfriends all said, go, you'll meet a friend. Just go. So I opened myself up. Yes. And the minute I met him at his door in Redmond, Washington, and he smiled, I thought, oh, this is interesting. He's kind of cute. And the rest was history. I married him. I had my fairy tale wedding and it happened for me. Wow. I love that story. (laughs) I love all of it. The fact that all these new things happening for you later in life and you're peaking now. I mean, but you'll, I feel like you'll keep peaking. Five years from now, you're going to be, uh, I'm going to turn on Jimmy Kimmel and see you oh, doing a stand up act. You. I love you for that. I plan, I intend, I will be on Ellen, dancing with Ellen. That's my next big dream. Be putting those dreams out there and believing them and using the past experiences to prove to you that such beautiful things are, like you've told us, just right around the corner. I remember, too, when we were kind of talking about this episode, you said, Lene, I've had death in my family. I've had divorce. I've had job loss. I've had single motherhood. I've dealt with ageism. But, and you have a great big but, but you have so many good things and so many good experiences already. And like Sandy said, more to come on the horizon, more things to do, more people to touch, more experiences to have, success with your book, everything. This is what people need to hear sometimes, as opposed to some of the messages that we get that just makes it feel like it's over. There are actually people who are married and feeling lonely within their marriage, and they may need to hear this to realize that you can get a connectedness and a harmony back with your spouse again. You can get a harmony and a connectedness with yourself. You mentioned that you wrote love notes to yourself. You said loving things to yourself. And then for those who are not in a partnership right now, you could go on a walk around the corner and look hot and sweaty, hot mess, and just got to get those <laughs> angles right the next time. Because you said sometimes it's just about the kind of angle or the way you catch that one day. <laughs> you know, it's not that it's all about looks, but there's so much hope. That is why we just thought 
we needed you because you've got your website, kindconversations.com. You're on Instagram with at Kind Conversations Now. You're on Facebook with Kind Conversations. Kindness is a virtue. And you said kindness is sexy. <laughs> oh, man, it is. You know, and I wanted to go back a little bit to what you said about what we all need and how we have to have that hope and optimism. And especially after this year and a half, we must look for the hope and the joy and finding the joyful people. I meet people all the time where I'm having these connections. It's the right time, the right message. And we all have those moments where either we give a message that someone else needs to hear, or they give us a message that we need to hear. The key is you have to keep your ears open and you have to listen and listen to people's stories because you will find nuggets that will be relatable that you can use for your future and for your goals. And recently I met this woman having a bone scan. She was 38 years old. She was a technician. She was lit up like a Christmas tree, bright personality. So of course I'm yakking along with her. And I start telling her about my book and my stories and about the visits and the love story and how I had the negative tape and this, well, she starts crying and she says, oh my God, I love your story. You don't know, I was meant to meet you today. And I perceived in our conversation that she had probably just ended a relationship. I just could tell. And I asked her and then the tears just streamed. And I said, look, you're young, you're beautiful. You are not done yet. You have your whole life ahead of you. It's never too late to open your heart. You're not ready now, but you will be. And I want you to read my story because it will tell you how you can get there. And it was this remarkable conversation with a stranger. I swear to you, I meet these people all the time where either they tell me something I need or I give them something they need. It's the most thrilling thing of all in our lives when we can do that. And we've certainly made that accidental or maybe not a connection (laughs) that we have with people. Right. Are those accidents or is it a coincidence, which is just sort of God being anonymous? Right. You know, you were talking to me or you're talking to us about the lady that was 38. And I'm thinking I remember breaking up with someone when I was 16 and thinking my life was over. So um, (laughs) we just do that. I mean, I think we just. Oh, my gosh, I'm never going to meet anyone again. It's just I think we're dramatic like that. Yes. And it's funny you say that because that was part of what my mother would say to me. She'd say, this is the first of many, which really wasn't exactly the best thing to hear (laughs) at the time, because it's like, I don't want to go through this again. What do you mean? One of many, I'm going to feel this way 10 times before it's over. Sure enough, that proved to be true. But oh my gosh, falling in love, that whole thing and doing that even multiple times in your life, it's a wonderful thing to even have those experiences. And each one we learn. But she also, my mother also said to me, you never know what's around the corner. And that always sort of, again, gave me that hope that I have no clue what's out there for me, but I believe there are more good things to happen to me. And yes, in between, there will be that rocky path. I will lose people. I will love people. I will have job changes. I'll go through all these hard things. 
And at the end of the day, there's going to be another joyful moment. And it's to seize those and to hold on to them and to help others find that. We all need that. We all need to feel like we matter, no matter who we are, what we do, what age we are. We all need to feel that we matter, that we make a difference, that we have a purpose. And we all do, no matter who we are. And I'd love to continue helping people to understand that and see that. And as we've talked about, there's a specific need for those folks who are older. And as somebody in marketing, you probably really see that as far as when people age above a certain demographic, they might start to feel invisible or like you said, they don't matter. Yeah. Part of it is, again, not buying into that notion about age, because the older I get, the more wisdom that I see as we age and as we progress. And I think the generations are seeing the relationship and the power between the youth and the aged that we can learn from each other. And you've seen stories of this where you've seen young people pair up with a senior person. And what the senior person gets is just as great as what the young person gets. I'm seeing a pivot a little bit, especially with companies wanting to hire people that have more experience, seeing the value to that, seeing the opportunities. We're living longer, so we're working longer. And I do see a little bit of a shift in terms of valuing our senior citizens from that standpoint. But certainly, we are a youthful society, and we are about how we look, the clothes, the makeup, the surgeries, to keep us youthful. But youthful is a mindset. And I think Staying youthful is taking care of your health, making sure you eat right, you sleep well, and connecting with young people. I love it when young people migrate to me. I make friends with young people all the time. And, you know, I'll hear, I want to be like you when I get your age. Well, I never thought I'd hear that, right? But I'm hearing it now. I want to be like you. Well, that's great. Let's be friends. Let's have that connection with the youth. Let's find out what do they think? What are their challenges? What can they teach us? And what can we teach them? Jean, I love what you said as far as that connection with young people and older people and the things that we can learn from and benefit from. I never really thought of myself as a mentor until just this past year. It's not something that I actively looked for, but with Zoom being so readily available, I have been blessed by having younger people, also people who are still in college, and they are looking for someone to kind of help them as they navigate through their career path. And it's easy and it's fun and it blesses me and I believe it blesses them. It doesn't take a lot of time. I can do it with my pajamas on on Zoom. (laughs) It's just, you know, and it's something that I'm well suited to because I'm a big sister. I have all these sisters and brothers and they're all younger than me. And I feel like I was made for that. I was built for that to be able to help someone who's on their upward climb while I'm also on my own upward climb. It's all gravy. It's all beautiful. And sometimes you think, well, I wouldn't have time for it, but making time for it actually refocuses my own goals and dreams. Love the way that works. Now, before we wrap up, Jean, I want to talk a little bit more about your book, the one that you've wanted to write for 25 years, and it's now out. Where do we get it? Can we go to your website? Can we go to Amazon? What can we do? 
Oh, well, thank you so much. Yes, I uh, recently had it go live on Amazon. All you have to do is to type in your search. I see old people. And my name is, of course, Jean Corvese Husson or Jean Husson. I see old people. You'll find it there. If you visit my website, kindconversations.com, there's also a direct link. And I also write a blog. So I'd love to have more subscribers. Also, I will be donating a portion of my net proceeds to senior causes that benefit those suffering with dementia and Alzheimer's. Part of my purpose is having this book reach a lot of people so that I am able to pivot to more philanthropic work that benefit those that struggle from those diseases. I think we're around the corner from a cure. Love to see that happen in my lifetime. That would be amazing. And your dedication to this, all inspired by what happened with your mom. And when you were talking about her, and the lack of attention maybe she was getting until you reminded the people by showing a picture of her youth and that just kind of regenerating more care. It's a shame that that had to happen that way, that we just don't see people as people created in God's image, whether it's you know from a baby until they pass along, whatever they're suffering from. Just the humanity. I feel like sometimes in society, we lack... Maybe we're getting better at it. I think you said we're getting better at it, but uh, we do have a long way to go. That story of my mother in the hospital was a very painful one for me. And I write quite a bit about that in my book. I had to look at that experience in order for me to get past it. I looked at that as a teachable moment. There were some of the healthcare providers that I needed to tell, this hurt me. This is hurting my mother. I want to be helpful and I need you to understand that. I need you to be more compassionate. And I felt that I went through that for a reason. And even painful things in our lives, I do believe there's always something good in every painful moment that we can learn from and adjust to. And if we take that kind of attitude, we become better people and we free ourselves from that negativity that harms us. One other thing we always want to make sure, too, that people who are listening really get it hit home. We have takeaway time. And I think this time, Sandy, you had some examples of people who have done their second chances at life later in life, just to kind of remind us how much there's still left inside of us, how much goodness, how much living there is still left inside of us. And I'm thinking that might be something that really resonates with everyone. Well, I'll just name a few. And I know we've talked a little bit about this before on some of our podcasts. And it's always interesting if you just Google people who are successful later in life. And I just looked up celebrities. I mean, not that celebrities are any more important than anybody else, but just the people know who they are. But um, people like Morgan Freeman, he had his breakout role in Driving Miss Daisy at the age of 52. Steve Carell with The Office, the age of 43 is when he's sort of shot to fame. 
Leslie Jones was 47 when she became a cast member of Saturday Night Live. And I'll just end with Betty White, because we all love Betty White. Um, Remember, um, I mean, we know her from the Golden Girls and so many roles now, and she's in her 90s and she's awesome. Mary Tyler Moore show was her breakout show when she was 51. And I believe it was also Mary Kay, I think, was later in life. Mary Kay, the um, cosmetic lady? Yes, yes, I do believe she founded the company much later in life. And of course, there's Colonel Sanders. I think he was in his late 50s and lots of people. I mean, there was just a man on the news the other day, a veteran, and he's 90 years old and he went skydiving. Can you oh. imagine? <laughs> I mean, I was skydiving. He no. was 90 years old and it was his lifelong dream. And you see him and he's like up there and he's landing and he's, I mean, you could break a hip, Sky, you could break a hip just walking from your living room to your kitchen at 90 and he's skydiving. It's awesome. So no, it's never too late. And if you believe that, then guess what? It's too late for you. So if you say it's too late, if you are Eeyore, you know, that's my favorite (laughs) character, Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, right? Negative Eeyore. And I don't want to be Eeyore. You know, I want to be Christopher Robin and I want to be 90 and still dancing and doing TikTok videos. So do you have, are you on TikTok? (laughs) Sandy, oh my God. (laughs) I look at these videos. I get intoxicated by them. I love them. They're fun. I just want to dance after I watch them. And I think, oh, I don't know if it's my brand. I don't know if I should do that, but it looks so much fun. I would do it, but my 26-year-old son says, no way, mom, don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) I don't know. I think next time we talk to you, you're going to be like viral on TikTok. So, (laughs) Oh, Jean, we have absolutely loved having you. We needed this. Everyone listening, I know that they have just needed an injection of optimism. (laughs) And, you know, they just needed that. So we want to make sure that people take a look at the book. I see old people. They take a look at kindconversations.com. Is there any parting wisdom that you'd like to give to us before we hop along on our day? Yeah. I want to talk about the takeaway from my book. And I put this at the very end of my book. And this is what I want people to learn from my story. And there are just three things. I love the energy of three, right? Feng Shui, collection of three. One, it's never too late to do something you dream about. Two, love is always possible when you open your heart. And three, the hardest part about giving back is showing up. I would hope that people would take that away from my story. Love it. Drop the mic moment right there. We just love you, Jean. We thank you. And imagine yourself, we always want to leave you with one little bit, but just sit still for a minute, everyone. Imagine yourself open and ready for that second shot at whatever it is that you want to be your second shot. If it's your dreams, if it's your purpose, getting your health back on track, a second shot at love and connectedness, a second shot at finding what it is that you can give back so that others can have their second shot at life. All of these things, just believe and remember, just like Jane taught us, it is not too late. Believe in those second chances. Just imagine it. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to continue this conversation online, we'd love to hear from you. Whether it's via email or social media, you can get all those links on our website. That is imagineyourselfpodcast.com and we'll have all Jean's info there and where you can get her book as well. If you haven't already, we'd love it if you would follow us on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can also subscribe to our blog at imagineyourselfpodcast.com right on the homepage. Until next time, when we have something new to imagine, take care and here's to your second chances.